Coming up on this week's episode of Homology, we are taking a look at the notorious gangster Al Capone, taking a trip to a frozen tundra with the Lodge, and taking a look at a canon film, Bloodsport. All that and more coming up this week on Filmology. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. Everybody, welcome to the show. I am John Glarwitz, also known as Johnny G, over at FilmologyShow.com. And once again, I am joined by my co-host, Mike. Hi, everybody. Mike, how are you doing today? Are you are you you're doing well? I mean, the weather. I mean, it's it finally it finally start, it's finally starting to feel like spring out. So I think it's great. I only was outside for like twenty minutes, but it was a good twenty minutes. I enjoy it. When we're done here, I might be outside for a bit longer. We'll see how it goes. Really excited. Tomorrow should be nice too, shouldn't it? I don't look at the weather anymore ever. So I, I just tell myself it's going to be great tomorrow. Every day. <laughs> I, I know I was driving to work uh, one of the days earlier this week, and it was 27 degrees out in the morning when I was driving in. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a cold day. And then I left, and I left with, like, a jacket on, and I'm like, man, it's, like, 60 degrees out. Amazing what happens when the sun comes out. Anyway, uh, so, on today's episode, as has already been mentioned, we're going to be taking a look at Capone... The Lodge, and Bloodsport. We are also going to be uh, examining or looking at the poll results that were put up for what is your favorite 80s musical in honor of Valley Girl from last week. And we are going to be taking a look at our top five gangster movies in honor of Capone. If you guys would like to follow more reviews or cinematic chatter you can always follow us at filmologyshow.com it's where all of the reviews are that's where this podcast is hosted you can also follow us on twitter instagram facebook all filmology show we keep conversations going there that's also where we put the polls so if you're for some reason having a hard time finding things on the website you can always go to the uh, Facebook or Instagram page, and you'll be able to find what you're looking for on there. Mike, any other housekeeping before we get going here with the reviews? Nope, everything's clean over here. Everything's clean, alright, that's awesome. And we're going to start things going off. We're going to play the trailer here for The Lodge. So here is the trailer for The Lodge. So, how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. I... You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? It's Christ. Everyone committed suicide except for her. 
Repent and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us and we're stuck in a house together. A soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place. That is the plot synopsis for The Lodge, which is now streaming on Hulu. This was my pick for this week's uh, show for streaming picks. It was a film that I saw earlier this year. I mean, probably one of the last like five films I saw in the movie theater. And I loved it. I mean, I'm, I'm showing my hand right now. I loved this film. And the whole reason why I picked it was because I think more people should see it. And if a podcast like this, and if a review is up on the site, people have, I mean, people are going to be interested. They're going to listen, they're going to hear what we have to think, and hopefully want to check it out. I love films that have to deal with psychological horror, which is what a lot of this film is. It, it's dealing with this the, the, the stepmother, uh, with the soon-to-be stepmother. She's just... Grace is just basically believing that she's on the verge of insanity. And it's really interesting to watch that throughout this film. And it's setting everything at the remote, the remote location of the lodge, the, the cabin. It's just, it's just a, it makes it even more frightening because you can't go out in the middle of the snowstorm and just find your way back to civilization. It's really hard to do. So having this claustrophobic feel, it makes it just much more tense for me. The The performances from everybody in this film are phenomenal. Uh, Grace, uh, played by Riley... Oh, I'm going to mess up her name. Uh, Riley... Uh, Keogh? Uh, Keogh? Uh, Keo? Yeah. Keo. Uh, something like that. Yeah. So uh, she's she fantastic. Uh, she was also in Hold the Dark, Under the Silver Lake, and uh, Logan Lucky. She was really great in Logan Lucky as well, but she's performing, she's, I I think, can easily carry any film based off her performance here, and I just, I loved it. I mean, as I have been telling everybody when I've been talking about this film, the first 10 minutes, there's something that happens which I think is rather intense, it's kind of one of the most probably disturbing and sudden acts of violence I have seen in any movies that have come out so far this year. Uh, it's it's intense. And if you can get past that, I think the rest of the film, while still engaging, won't... If you can get past that first ten minutes, you'll... You should be able to handle the rest of the film. It still might be frightening at times. It still might mess around with your brain a little bit. But it's not going to disturb you, I believe, as, as much as that uh, scene in the first 10 minutes of the film. Uh, Mike, what were your initial reactions here with The Lodge? I, I really enjoyed it. It's 
probably one of our, my favorite movies that you picked so far since we've been doing this. Uh, I was also very taken off guard by that. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I didn't. I remember the basic premise of that about the they got stuck in a lodge together and uh, things happened. That's what all I remember. From it. I was not expecting that after violence happened, so that shook me up a little bit. Um, otherwise, I really be a fan of Riley Keough. I saw her in Under the Silver Lake at the end of last year. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, the only thing... I, I like the twist at the end. I didn't see that coming when they tell you what's happening. Whether, I guess whether she's crazy or whether it's actually happening or whatever. And I like how they kept it ambiguous and they did a really good job of that up until that point. Yeah, I really liked it overall. I thought I wasn't sure what to expect going in, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, for for me, I feel like you had to have. No, I, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen a lot of people online talking about how they don't feel the final twist of the film works. I I really do feel like works, and you you need to have a twist there with the uh, dealing with the age of some of the characters involved with that twist. Yes, maybe it wouldn't those characters wouldn't have actually done what's being done. It's also really hard to talk about this film without spoil with uh, spoilers, or without trying to spoil the film, uh, because I I feel the film is once again spectacular, and if you give away any twists in this film, it does slightly diminish the film. It, it was much more enjoyable on my first watch versus this second watch. I will say that, but obviously I still love it. Uh, the cinematography is fantastic. Once again, acting is fantastic. You have to like psychological horror films. This is not some... I mean, while there are some uh, gory-type elements of this film, that's not the main focus of it. It's not a slasher film. This is along the lines of something, like I had mentioned last week, Rosemary's Baby. It's a film that I love. I feel like this film kind of fits in that same psychological... Uh, mind frame, and I, I, I loved it. I cannot stress enough how I think everybody should see this film. It is still my favorite film of the year, and it, it's it's a high recommend. Anything else you have to say, Mike, before we do ratings? Um, yeah, like you said, it wasn't too gory. There was only like three instances of violence that I thought was really even noteworthy. Otherwise, it's all psychological, so you don't have to worry about anything of that. Um. I really enjoyed it too. I suppose we should get to our ratings then. Yeah, there, 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 there is an act of I mean, other than the one in the first ten minutes of the film, there's another act of violence uh, that I mean, you don't you don't see the actual act of violence, but you see the the aftermath of it. It's not really act of violence, but it's a uh, it's it's just an act that happens, and it made me really sad. Which I mean. Is somebody who's not usually sad with these kind of things. I, once again, try, trying to be balancing on a wire here, but it'd be a lot more. It's, easy, it's hard. It'd be a lot easier to talk about if you could if you could spoil some of it, but that would ruin. Yeah, would ruin there's the, the movie for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it, really if you were a fan of horror films, if you're a fan of indie films, watch this. So here at Filmology, we have a rating system. We have see it, rent it. Skip it, let it burn. Let it burn means that everybody involved with the film, from the producers to the caterers, should be put into film purgatory and not be allowed to make another film for a while. For me, 
The Lodge. It's an easy one. It's a see it. I think everybody, once again, should see this film. You just have to get past that first ten minutes. I mean, you can look up what happens there. Uh, it is obviously a spoiler, but that the, that act of violence does need to happen to set the rest of the film in motion. Without that, the film would not work. But it's it, it it's a surprise. It made me jump, uh, and it's for me on a personal level, it's disturbing. So I have to say that. Keep that in mind. I don't want to get emails saying, why did you tell me to watch this when such, such and such happens? But, yeah, to see it. Mike, where do you land on The Lodge? Definitely to see it. It's definitely one of the best movies I saw here. Definitely the best movie from our choices so far, I believe. Yeah, definitely go out and see it. The first ten minutes happened quickly. It's there and it's over. It's not prolonged at all, so... I mean, it is kind of harsh, though, especially since I wasn't prepared at all. Um, it'll be good. I think I, I think even if you don't like psychological horror, you might want to give this one a chance, even. It's that good. Yeah, it, it, it's really that good. Like, it, it, <laughs> I mean, I, I, if you're a fan of, like, for me, movies, I mean, this is great storytelling. I, I loved I loved everything with this film. It's It was just... I, I hate to say it's fun, because it's, it's really torturous for Grace, the main character of the film... But I, I just had a blast with this film. I was just on the journey the whole entire time, and I, I really loved rewatching the film. So I yeah, strongly encourage everybody to watch it. And if you do watch it, you want to share your thoughts with us, you can always email them to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. If you want us to read your comments in the air, we can do that. You just have to let us know in that email. Otherwise, we can get back to you at uh, uh, our... Uh, earliest opportunity with uh, the email that you send. We're, we are going to move on now to our next review. Our next review is going to be Bloodsport. So here is the trailer for Bloodsport. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop now. Take him. To enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules, no press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique, I... clash in savage combat separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I break you. International martial arts sensation Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. The true story of the ultimate champion. Kumite, Kumite, Kumite. 
Bloodsport follows Frank Dukes, an American martial artist serving in the military, who decides to leave the army to compete in a martial arts tournament in Hong Kong where fights to the death can occur. That is the plot synopsis for the Jean-Claude Van Damme film Bloodsport. This was Mike's streaming pick this week, and it was streaming... I know I watched it on Netflix. I think you said it was also on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on both of them. Okay, it's on both of them, and I, and I watched it on Netflix. Uh, okay, so so uh, really quick here. I, I didn't know anything about this film. Not a clue, never heard of it. Uh, I had probably seen it at some point when I watched uh, the documentary on Canon Films, uh, Electric Boogaloo, the untold story of Canon Films, but completely wiped it from my memory, apparently. And the moment that I saw the Canon Films logo come up on the screen, I completely lowered my expectations. Because at some films from Canon... I'd rather watch Paint Dry on a Wall than watch those movies. Uh, they were the producing team behind Superman IV, The Quest for Peace, which was the film, the first film I saw from them, um, and probably for the longest time the only film I had seen from that company. And I just... Usually I'm not a fan of their films. I just think they're really schlocky films that would be great for, like... Midnight Cinema at a local art house uh, theater. I, with those low expectations, and I have to, once again, state, I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here for how I feel about films. Uh, that's canon films. I had a, f- I don't want to say fun time. I it's, it's hard for me, it's hard for me to say those words, Mike. Um, uh, with my Did you low, enjoy this movie? With my... No, no. Once again. With my low expectations, I enjoyed this movie. Now, I can't say that this is a movie I'll go back to again. I mean, there's sequels I saw. I'm never going to venture to watch those sequels. I don't think Jean-Claude Van Damme can act. I think he's a terrible actor. Uh, but the fights are fun to watch. Uh, the story is completely ludicrous, so over the top, and just, it, it, it's just so out there. But, once again, with those, like, I, I keep thinking of schlocky, like, direct-to-VHS movies, and this fits the bell for that. And it's it's basically like, I, I really don't want to compare them to Blumhouse, but in some ways it's like Blumhouse, uh, I, because they make such cheap movies, and sometimes they're once again, as we've talked about, completely terrible with films like Fantasy Island, or they have other films which are just phenomenal, like Get Out. Now, I've never seen a phenomenal film from uh, Canon Pictures, and I don't think I ever will, but this film, Bloodsport, I... Overall, I had a good time watching it. I I think that it's... It... As much, as much as I hate the saying, turn your brain off at the door, like, that's what this film is. And if you do that, and you just go along for the the, the stupidity of the film, it's, it's a fun film to watch. I just... I, am I thankful for you, Mike, for, make, for having me watch this film? I don't think I am. But 
I just, yeah, I had a fun time. I, I had a fun time. And yeah, that's that's it. Mike, why, why don't you uh, share your thoughts here I'm with Bloodsport? Uh, I'm just glad you finally liked one of my movies that I picked. I'm just a little taken aback right now. Um, I, the first 20 minutes are dreadful. <laughs> They're not good at all. Part where Jean-Claude Van Damme, like before he gets to Hong Kong, and after he gets to Hong Kong, it's like a huge quality jump. You're, you're, you're talking about like when he's training and everything like that, right? Yeah, like he, when like during the flashback, uh, when he's a kid, like when he's still on the army base or a naval base, whatever. He's an army captain, so army base. Um, but after that, it's fantastic. It's like two different movies. Um, all the fight scenes are fantastic. They, if I remember right, they actually got fighters instead of stunt people to do it. Like those are actual martial artists they put in the movie. Jean-Claude Van Damme probably isn't the best actor, and I don't think this was the best example of what he has. Outside of the fight scenes, the directing was not good. Um, but like you said, uh, straight to movie or straight to VHS martial arts movie. This is awesome. It has I uh, like the '80s rock anthems in the background or the, for the music. It's fantastic. There's a little chase scene where Van Damme is toying with the I think they're federal agents that came yeah. on him or like MP or something like that. Yeah. Actually, which uh, which one of them's uh, Forrest Whitaker? Which I was just, just completely blown away by. I was like, oh, look, he he was in like these really bad movies at one point in time. Well, I guess he kind of still is, but this is know. a good movie, uh, not a bad movie. No, 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 but, I, mean, I I really think that we're mi- <laughs> that we're just just you're 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 slightly confusing my words here. I had fun with the film. With my expectations being a, I thought I was going to hate this from the get-go. And I, with my expectations being that low, I enjoy, enjoyed the film. But if I walked into the theater, <clears throat> excuse me, if I walked into the theater and you were like, okay, I had to pay $10 to see this, I don't think I would enjoy it. But watching it for free, well, not, well, not for free, but within the price of Netflix, which I could watch, Thousands of other things. I, I enjoyed the film. I don't. You you you're, you're making it sound like I really love this film, and I have to clarify that I like the film with the lowest of expectations. It's okay to admit that you liked it. It's a good one. I actually picked this film because uh, I wanted to watch it on Claude Van Damme movie because he was like my favorite action star growing up, and I googled the best one to, like. So it wasn't just my own opinion. And I was like, Bloodsport. We'll try Bloodsport. Maybe John will like it. And it worked out. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I, my complaints are the first 20 minutes, like I said. And pretty much anything that doesn't have to do with the fight scene. <laughs> Otherwise, it's really great. I mean, I've seen Jean-Claude Van Damme in the Expendables films. I think the Expendables 2 and 3. Or maybe only 2. Just 2. If I remember, two was my favorite out of those, but that's once again that's bottom of the barrel. That's not that's nothing to talk about. One was okay. Finally, like two was by far the best, and three was terrible. If I yeah, three, I, three, I didn't like three at all. I can't remember anything about it other than Harrison Ford's in it, but I don't know what he does in the movie. Uh, if I remember right, they the older guys take a backseat to like newer action stars, like Ronda Rouse, Rousey, I think her name is. I think maybe one of the Liam brothers. I don't know. I can't remember. One of the Hemsworths. I can't remember, though. No idea. I, I, I do own the movie, but I don't know. Um, as 
for other films that Jean-Claude Van Damme has been in, I, I am actually interested to watch some of his other action films, just because, I mean, he was such a staple of uh, the late 80s and throughout the 90s uh, action films, and I just never bothered with them, because that wasn't, I mean, I was, I was just growing up in the 90s. I wasn't watching films like the Blood, uh, Bloodsport or Time Cop. It's, it's Time Cop, right? That's the one that... Yeah, that's actually my favorite of them. Um, it might have something to do with Mia Sarah being in it. Um, but yeah, Time Cop's my favorite. Also, like, Universal Soldier. Those are probably the top two, in my opinion. So, I, I, I am interested to watch these other films. Uh, I just don't think that... I mean, I don't think they're going to be good. I think they're all going to be on the same level as this film, which I, once again, must state, if you turn your brain off, you will enjoy this film. A lot of the logic just doesn't make sense. And once again... I know I got crap for this last week because I got some people who e who emailed in saying why didn't I enjoy the title cards of Valley Girl at the end? It adds a lot of charm to the film. It reminds them of John Hughes movies, and I always forget about John Hughes movies. That's another like I didn't grow up watching like The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles or Pretty in Pink. I didn't grow up watching those films. I watched those in film school, so I don't. I mean, I enjoy them, but it's not. Uh, it, it's not something my brain automatically thinks of. And I hated it here, too. I hated the stupid title card. Look, just let me try to imagine what happens with this character. Just let me come up with that story. Don't force-feed it to me in the last minute of the film. That's really... I mean, it was an 80s thing. If you get outside of the 80s, they don't really do that anymore, except for as jokes or, like, throwbacks to the 80s. It, it, so, it was just a popular thing back then for whatever reason. And I, I didn't mention it last week, but for, for the, one of them that I always think about, and it just seems so out of place, is Predator. They, they do, like, a video montage of all of them at the end. I'm like, man, yeah, you all got killed and skinned. Yeah, I'm glad that we're watching a montage of all of you. <laughs> but this is such a weird thing to have a montage of. But, uh, yeah, I, I just that's that's an aspect of films I don't care for, and you're correct. They don't really do it anymore, and I, I'm, I'm glad they don't. It's... I, I like making the story for myself. I like to know where I think the characters went instead of somebody at the last minute saying, hey, this is exactly what happened to these characters. That, that's not really exciting for me on a storytelling level. But, once again, our ratings here. For me, it's tricky. It really is. Because, as I have mentioned, I enjoyed the film on a very basic level. Now, does that mean I should? I think that everybody should see this film. I, I I can't give it a see it, but I will give it a rent it. I do think that if this film was, let's say, if I if I went to my local Blockbuster Video or Video Plus Family Video, what have you, and they're like, hey, it's on the, it's on the shelf. It costs two dollars. Would I rent that VHS tape? I would. I would rent that VHS tape, and I would enjoy it for the two uh, the two dollars that I spent uh, on the film. It's an hour and a half. It's very. I, I mean, what's? I didn't have as big of a problem with the first twenty minutes as you did, Mike. It was awful because once again, <laughs> because once again, it's a canon film. I'm expecting it not to be good, and it was it was delivering on that level. And I was like, oh, this is way overacting, way just just incredibly cheesy. And I'm like, whatever, it's fine. I'm in. I, since I set my brain to expect that, it's what I got, and I was fine. I was fine with that. 
So, didn't have a big problem with that. Once again, the fight scenes are great to watch. They're, they're fun. I mean, even for, for even other films that were coming out around this time, the fight scenes in this film would hold up against those films. I, I, and, of course, I can't think of anything uh, action-wise, because that's not really my, my, my forte. With film, with film um, I mean, you have, like, Mad Max and stuff like that, but those are car chases. Uh, nothing like, uh, well, this probably doesn't hold a candle to anything that Jackie Chan was doing, but uh, anyway. I feel like they're two very different good. kind of movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know, but I, I, can't, I, I can't find anything that this film fits with on an action level. I mean, what, maybe the Karate Kid? Hmm. Maybe, I, mean, I guess, that's, I don't know. That's, it's a little that's more, more brutal. Than, yeah, I don't know. Point being... This movie's a rented. I, I do think that there is enjoyable aspects to it. It's an hour and a half. Uh, just also kind of forget about the love interest of the uh, of the movie. It, it's just it never really that not, that aspect of this film never worked for me. It really just felt like it was forced in there. Yeah, I, I like the film. I can't, I can't have an action movie without the pretty blonde lady. I mean, when she's annoying, was she? Well, no, when she is annoying. As, as she is in this film, she's just bad. She's bad. She was a terrible actress. I'm sorry. I don't. What, no, I, I agree. It's fine. <laughs> it's but, kind of just a staple, though. You can't have like the big, strong, muscle fighter action star without the female character who wants him. Obviously. Once, once again, I know it's a film that you don't like that much. That Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, it's it defies all like expectations like that. Just I don't want to throw that out there. I mean. Most people would have wanted, or most people would have thought that Mad Max and Furioso would have had like a bond of some sort, but they didn't, and I, I enjoyed the film for that reason. This film didn't need to have a lot of interest, it just it didn't need to be there, and just because other films were doing it doesn't mean it needed to be. Uh, but once again, either way, it's a rented. Mike, where do you sit here on Bloodsport? Even though I hated the first 20 minutes, I'm going to say see it, because you don't walk into a movie like Bloodsport expecting good story like you said um you're walking in for those fight scenes that come for the last hour of the movie and that fun chase for the most part um yeah i really enjoyed it it's not my favorite jean-claude van damme movie but it's definitely up there um and since you enjoyed it so much i'm gonna look for other jean-claude van damme movies that you're gonna like streaming we'll see how this goes i like his fighting scenes i still think he's a terrible actor the the moment that you give me a film that has an actual like let's say Universal Logo or Paramount or MGM or any other studio that's not Canon Films, my expectations are going to be higher. So just keep that in mind, that my expectations are low because, I mean, it's it's Canon Films. If I was going to watch a Roger Corman film, my, my expectations would be very low too. But both of the... Roger Corman and uh, everyone involved with Canon Films knew that they were making schlocky entertainment. They knew that they, people were going to go see it because exploitation films and things like that, are they're so easy to make. You put them in a drive-in, you put them in a midnight movie, people will eat it up, and they're so cheap to make. But the moment that you say that you're putting an actual budget behind the film, that's when my expectations go up. So keep that in mind, Mike, and please, everybody, keep that in mind when watching this film. It's... It's, it, it, it's a B-level movie. It is not anything on the level of The Lodge or half of the other films that we've watched uh, for, on this podcast. 
the closest thing I would probably put it to on like a for the streaming picks that we've been watching is Earth Girls are easy. It, it, kind of that same campy feel. Uh, maybe not as over the top, but that same campy feel. If you agree or disagree with our thoughts here on Bloodsport, you can always email them to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We will get back to you with uh, any comments, questions, concerns that you have. We are going to now roll into our poll results. So, we're going to actually play a clip here from one of the musicals in the poll, and we'll be right back at the other side to talk about what our audience thinks is the, or their favorite, 80s musical. for this week's show. It's uh, actually tying into last week's show with Valley Girl, which once again was a film I really enjoyed. We asked you all, what is your favorite 80s musical? Your options were Earth Girls Are Easy, Annie, Little Shop of Horrors, Purple Rain, and Labyrinth. We also did give you the choice of other. Coming in at last place, with not a single vote, Mike, Earth <laughs> Girls Are Easy. Nobody voted for Earth Girls Are Easy. I thought I'd throw it in there, give you a nugget. I'm like, you picked the film, you you enjoyed the film. Let's see if anybody else th- out there in the world likes this film. And no, nobody liked it enough to vote for it, Mike. I'm sorry. I almost did. I should have. Now I feel bad about it. I'm sure Jeff Goldblum's going to be very upset when he finds out later. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Jeff Goldblum will not care at all about what we have to say. I think he'll just nod, say some really out there thing, and then move on with his life, as he usually does. Probably. What's next? What's next one? <laughs> the next one, with 9%, would be Other. And I don't know what uh, those people voted on for Other, because you didn't tell me in the comments. So, uh, you guys, if you vote for other, just let us know in the comments what you're voting on, uh, because we're just curious. We want to know what you're voting on, uh, other than just hitting other and moving on. Up next, we have, with uh, coming here in fourth place, Purple Rain, also with 9%. I've never seen Purple Rain. I, I know that's a terrible thing as somebody who lives like so close to Minnesota, and who was actually in Minnesota when Prince died. I, I've, never, I've never seen it. I mean, I know the song, but it's never been a movie I've had any interest in watching. Have you seen Purple Rain, Mike? No. No, not at all. No, okay. Well, I mean, people apparently have seen it, but not enough to, not enough to think it's their favorite uh, 80s musical. Coming in third place... Little Shop of Horrors. 
18%. This was the film I voted on. I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do like other films here, like Labyrinth and even Annie. But, I mean, this this was... I mean, this this hits all my sweet spots. I mean, it's a, it's a horror, musical, comedy. I mean, it's great. It's funny. It's... it's I mean, I don't know if it's... Well, I guess it's kind of horrific. A plant's going around eating people. It seems kind of... Frightening, I don't know. I, I, it makes me even more afraid of Venus flytraps. I think they're terrifying to begin with. They're, have you ever seen one in real life? I, I know, and I don't want to. They're nothing like movies or anything would make you think they are. Don't, need, you know, don't worry about it. Don't be safe. I'm still worried about it. So, actually, the whole, the whole reason why I'm worried about them, and it's such a weird little thing to be worried about. Uh, I, at some point in my life, I can't tell you how old I was, I saw Creepshow 2, and it has these animated Venus flytraps that go around, they eat the bully, well, yeah, they eat the bullies of the, the main character, and I, I can't decide if I was horrified because of the crude animation, or if I was horrified because of Venus flytraps were eating people, or just a mix, mix of both, but that, that, that for, has left an impression on me for forever. I still haven't seen Creepshow 1, so I'm not sure how I saw Creepshow 2 without seeing uh, the film that everyone says is phenomenal. But uh, anyway, coming in at second place, Labyrinth with 18%. So I guess it's a, a tie for second place. But Labyrinth, 18%. Uh, where, where did you vote here in this poll, Mike? A little shop of horse. Uh, I like Rick Moranis, and that was my favorite out of all of them. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's a great film. I mean, uh, it's a great film. It, it, Labyrinth's a great film, too. I mean, David Bowie. Uh, I, I love the puppet work uh, done by uh, Jim Henson and uh, all of the people at Henson um, and Muppet Labs. I, th- I, thought the, I thought it was great. I, I really wish that uh, J- Jim Henson didn't pass away because then we could have got more films like this that were pushing boundaries of what those uh, Muppets and Puppets could do. I just, I thought it was great. I think there's, there's some really good scenes in the Labyrinth and there's also some uh, puppet work that really doesn't work. Uh, the, the scene I always think of that doesn't work at all is the, you have those those creepy bird things that like take up their body parts apart and they dance and it just, it, it doesn't look good when you're watching it. Uh, even for when it came out in the 80s, I don't believe it would have looked good at that time. It looks actually really bad now. But some of the other puppet work is phenom- phenomenal. Uh, and coming in in first place, we have Little Orphan Annie. Uh, Annie won with 45% of the vote. I I mean... It's Annie. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the film I voted for. Uh, it actually almost didn't make this list uh, for when I was put, putting the poll up. I almost replaced Annie with Xanadu, uh, just because I feel like Xanadu like is Xanadu screams eighties, and Annie, Annie just out of all the films here on the list, I think Annie is the most classical like movie, uh, classic musical movie on this list. All, all these other ones are a little. Uh, Genre and genre heavy in uh, a way, and Annie's just all musical, which uh, I mean, I mean, it won forty-five percent, so people love it. But go ahead, it's not surprising. When I saw the list, I was like, Annie's probably gonna win, just because I'm sure more people have probably seen Annie as well. 
Yeah, versus the other films. I, I agree with that. But I just... Uh, in, I, I would like to point out uh, something that really surprised me. Uh, this this poll had more votes than any of our filmology film Madness and our Star Wars polls. So people either really love Annie or they really just love 80s musicals. I'm not sure which, but I, I thank everybody for voting. But uh, ho hopefully this next poll that we're going to be putting up, which uh, this next poll, instead of uh, doing something that ties into this week's show, we're going to look forward to next week's show. So... Uh, Next week's poll is going to be first love movies, first love movie couples. So it's going to be like, it's going to be couples in movies who it's their first time in love or their first time in actual love, not just like infatuation with somebody. So we're ranking the couples themselves, not the movies? Correct. Well, however you personally choose to do it, that is up to you. Personally, I'm ranking the couples. I, I can tell you who I'm going to vote on. Uh, once I go through who we have. So we have four options. Along, uh, We have the fifth option of other. And if you guys do vote on other, please, once again, let us know which other couple you think should be here. I mean, there's thousands of couples out there in movies. But when, keep in mind, this is the first time that they're like in love. So most of, the, most of these could be YA movies. I tried to stay away from that for the most part, but I did pick one YA film. Uh, right, so the choices here are Baby and Johnny from Dirty Dancing, Allie and Noah from The Notebook, Hazel and Gus from The Fault in Our Stars, and Oliver and Elio from Call Me By Your Name. And once again, you have other. Mike, where would you vote on this poll? I don't know. Um, out of those ones, maybe uh, Baby and... I forgot his name already. Oh, God. From Dirty Dancing, that one. You vote for Baby like and Johnny? Johnny, okay. there we go. I was going to call him Jackie. And I'm like, that's not right at all. <laughs> and, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I'd have to vote for uh, Oliver and Elio from Call Me By Your Name. Uh, that's It's such... It, it's such a realistic and heartbreaking film to watch and a romance to watch versus Dirty Dancing, which nobody puts baby in the corner, blah, 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 okay, whatever. I don't care for Dirty Dancing that much, so the couple I probably wasn't going to care for. I actually really like The Notebook, um, and uh, the, the Fault in Our Stories I like as well, but it's it's it just wasn't where I was feeling like going uh, if i had to pick where i think the winner is going to be i think it's going to be actually hazel and gus from the fault in our stars uh just based off of how all the other polls have gone and how our audience votes i think that the fault in our stars will uh win with hazel and gus here let's see what our audience thinks remember you can always find these polls over at filmologyshow.com you go to features click on polls they will be there if you're also on the home page where the Filmology Madness used to be, that is now changed over to a polls option. So if you just click that, it'll take you over to the poll and you can vote from there. Any other comments you want to make here, Mike, about the poll before we head over to our last review? No. Just I haven't seen that movie that you mentioned, uh, Call Me By Your Name. That's newer, right? It just came out in the last couple of years? Uh, I believe two years ago, yes. Okay. 
sounds familiar, but I don't think I've watched that one. I'll look, at it. I'll look into it before I start voting. I'll make an informed choice. Yeah, it's it's um, the last. The I mean, the, the whole film was pretty good, but the last ten minutes of that film, if you don't leave, like the film just sobbing. The film, like you don't have a soul. I'm sorry, or or you've just never been in love with somebody before and just had like that connection, and you just. It, 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 I'm not spoiling the film. I mean, it's, it's, it's a summer romance. I mean, it's. It, it, most summer romances don't last. But that still doesn't make that pain go away. Anyway, we'll talk more about this next week. We're gonna move on into our last review, which is Capone. So here is the trailer for Capone. How about it for our good friend Al, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know what the difference is between Adolf Hitler and Al Capone? Hitler's dead. Capone lives like a king in Florida. He has full-blown dementia. I have reason to believe that could all be an elaborate act. What's this about? We have information that your client may have tucked away a very large sum of money. You can drop the act now. You got goons walking around. Guys like you own this place, $10 million. Maybe I can get him to talk. He's gonna go on a rampage. We made a promise. Someday we was gonna make it big. The only thing that really matters is how a man treats his family. The 47-year-old Al Capone, after 10 years in prison, starts suffering from dementia and comes to be haunted by his violent past. That is the plot synopsis for Capone, starring Tom Hardy, directed and written by Josh Trank. Let's just, let's just start here really quick. Josh Trank. This, this, this was a director who came on to the scene after... He co-wrote and directed Chronicle. Now, Mike, have you seen Chronicle? It did. I was expecting it to be better than it was. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. And I really love Chronicle. I mean, it has um, Dane DeHaan, who, who I haven't seen lately. I, there, there was like a good two-year time period where he was in everything, and all of a sudden he's just kind of vanished. Uh, I would really like to see him in some movies again. And then, of course, it introduced, to many people, uh, Michael B. Jordan. If you had not been watching Friday Night Lights, I mean, this was your this was your gateway drug to Michael B. Jordan. And Wait, which one's Chronicle? The, 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 the found footage superhero movie? Uh, I might be confusing. Is there another one like that that might be confusing? With? I don't remember Michael B. Jordan being in the one I'm thinking about. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're... Oh, what no, you're I think... I'm thinking of something else. 
yeah, never mind. Chronicle is good. Okay. I'll let you know what else awesome. I think of. So, it. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I also... I mean, I, I really like Chronicle. I really liked it. But then that Fantastic Four film came out. And here's the thing. I, I'm... I mean, I'm a comic reader. As I sit here, actually, in the office, I, I can look directly behind me, and I can see at least ten long boxes full of comics, which, I mean, each box holds 300 comics, so, I mean, I mean I'm a huge fan of comics. Love them. Especially the Marvel comics. And, comics. and Fantastic Four, I mean, that's Marvel's first family. The entire Marvel universe, the entire Marvel cinematic universe, owns, owes everything to Fantastic Four. And to see... That film, I left with tears coming down my face. Not from happiness, but from seeing these characters who I love just destroyed. It was one of the most heartbreaking experiences I've ever had at a movie. It, 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 it made me question, actually, whether I still wanted to collect comics. And whether I wanted to be a part of that community. And took took me a little while to figure out that yes I do it's it's not it's not comics that are wrong it's not the comic book genre that's wrong it's that film and Josh Trank who didn't understand those characters I think it does work on a David Cronenberg body horror type way but the film doesn't play enough into that to fully earn that so it, it, that movie just doesn't work. And now we have to get his name taken. Do you try to get his name taken off of it because either they the studio made him change so much of it or something like that? That's what he says. But look, I I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe someday somebody will make a book about the making of Fantastic Four. But no, nobody really knows what happened with that film. It, it's it's hard to say whether he did or did not do that but we also have to keep in mind that he was supposed to be directing a Boba Fett movie and he he got he quit the project and he basically came out and said he was either gonna he was gonna quit himself or he's gonna be fired so he took the route of quitting dropping out of the project and that wasn't from my understanding that wasn't about the quality of Fantastic Four that was about how he acted on the set of the film. He just acted very unprofessionally and just was very difficult to deal with. And now we have this new film. Capone. Which, once again, it stars Tom Hardy. It stars Tom Hardy. And I think, I mean, no matter what you think of Tom Hardy, I think that he is an actor who likes to take risks. He tries to do a different performance in every film. And I, I mean, he's definitely doing something here. I, it's, it's it kind of, in some ways, it's probably hard for him because there's no actual audio or video of what Al Capone sounded like, which I thought was weird. I really thought that there would have been something. Turns out there's nothing about what that, what uh, this notorious gangster sounds like. So I have Al, I have um, Tom Hardy just. He's trying something. He's, he, he tries to... He tries to... The, the, Tom Hardy... You can tell Tom Hardy believes in what he's trying to do. So I'm not trying to be like, man, Tom Hardy, you were just bad in this film. I mean... 
he probably thinks he's doing good, or he's getting getting direction from Josh Trank that's like, yeah, this is the performance I want. Or uh, Josh Trank's too afraid to tell Tom Hardy, no, don't do that. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Tom Hardy could just probably punch him to the ground and it'd be done. I just... <laughs> I didn't like the performance. It, it, it's definitely something, and Hardy's playing to, like... Th- th- there's that saying in theater, like, you're, you're, you're playing to the back row. You want to just be so overexpressive that everybody in that entire auditorium or the entire theater can see your performance. And that's exactly what he's doing here, but, like, it's a, it's a close-up on his face. And I don't need to see him over overacting like this. Or just his... Just the, the, the voice that he's using, I just couldn't get over. I was just like, man, I don't, I don't like this voice. Uh, and it, it, it's hard because, I mean, people could have said the same thing about Daniel Day-Lewis when he was uh, playing Abraham Lincoln in the Spielberg film Lincoln. Because that's a very different take on... Uh, Abraham Lincoln than most of us are used to. But the performance there was really good on top of uh, the voice work that was being done. Here, I just he's so gonzo all over the place that I can't get a grasp on the performance. It, it rubbed me the wrong way. And there's so many different facets going on. There's people who are trying to uh, find this money that Capone supposedly hid away somewhere. And you have... Um, the FBI, who's like, man, he, he, we think that he faked his illness so he could get out of jail. And, I mean, based on the film here, I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly lost it. I just... The, the film has an interesting concept. I mean, Al Capone, growing old, he's, he has dementia, so he's, he's, he's losing himself. And he's just seen all of his violent acts that he's, uh, he's done or been involved with coming back to haunt him. I think that's an interesting concept. But the way that it's executed here just doesn't work. And the other thing that I have to mention is if you don't know who Al Capone is, which, I mean, there are people now who don't know who Al Capone is. You're not going to like this film, hmm? I feel like people still know who Al Capone is. I think they know the name, but I don't think they're going to know like the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I don't think they're going to know that he was like the biggest... The biggest deal in Chicago, like he he ran that town. I think they know that. I I want to believe that. I'm I, I will t- I will tell you, Mike. I will tell I will tell you right now. In the room behind me, there is somebody there who does not know who Al Capone is. Oh, never mind. Then. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm telling you I I am like I I'm in the same building as somebody who doesn't know who Al Capone is. So. Uh, that's not like I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to say, Dave, that the film. I mean, it, obviously, it does show you those violent acts throughout the film, but it doesn't. The film opens, and you're and you're kind of like, okay, you're not that you're not that bad of a guy, because of, of course he's released from prison at this point. Uh, he's basically on house arrest at this giant mansion that somehow the government didn't take away from him. I don't know how that happened, but it's a it's a gorgeous mansion and uh, in Florida and it's just on the swampland and it's, it's just gorgeous. But I just, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't do a good enough job setting up the Capone character. And, and the performance was just so gonzo. I didn't care for it. The direction's fine. It's, it's nothing spectacular. I don't want to say this film is a complete mess because we've seen that film with Fantastic Four. 
we've seen what horrible atrocities Josh Trank can commit to the silver screen. I don't think this is one of them. I just think that it's it's going to be considered one of Tom Hardy's worst performances. And I, I mean, Tom Hardy's been he's given a lot of great performances. So to say this is his worst, okay, an actor's going to give a bad performance every once in a while. It has to happen. But I, just, I wanted to like this film. Like I, I was, I'm watching it and. I had, Mike, as you mentioned when before uh, we started with the segment, you haven't heard great things about it. And Not at all. I had heard some scuttlebug going around about how the film was a mess and yada, yada, yada. The film clearly is a mess, but it's... It's a mess that I can admire. It's a director trying to do something, and it's Josh Trank trying to get out of that hole that he was in with those superhero films he's trying to do interesting projects and i commend him for it and i hope that at some point he finds that one project that just clicks but this film capone is not it it's it's just it doesn't work it's for a rating system i have to give it a skip it it's definitely not nearly as bad as a let it burn and it could honestly if that performance by Tom Hardy was reined in a little bit more, there's a scene where he's watching The Wizard of Oz, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't know what I'm watching here. Like, I feel like if I was at, I, I, I keep talking about these midnight movies on this podcast today, but like if I was at a midnight movie watching this, I would be interacting with the film. Like, it's that level of over the top. It doesn't need to be. It. Try to be a little subtle about it. I mean, there's plenty of movies that have come out with people who have who are growing old and just have a dementia or another illness that's just making their mind deteriorate. I mean, you have Still Alice, you have Iris, you have films like that that are just more subtle and just just more engaging to watch. This film tries to be engaging, and then it just it has so many different plots it's trying to juggle and it just doesn't juggle them well so once again Capone it's a skip it if you agree or disagree with my views here on Capone you can email them to filmologyshow at gmail.com we'll definitely get back to you I mean especially if you like the film I mean if you're somebody who really wants to defend this film I would love to hear like your your reasoning why because once again I think there's a good film here I just don't think we got it and that's that's always more upsetting to me than just watching a bad film that never had uh, the intention of being a good film. So, something like um, Bloodsport never had the intention of being something like a pwn here, but it just it, it, it doesn't work. So, yeah, you can always let us know your thoughts at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We are going to play a clip here from Capone. To roll into our top five. Our top five this week is top five gangster films. So we will see you on the other side to talk about top... Mike and I, we each picked our top five gangster films. Is this something you want to talk to me about? It's just us on this boat. I hit 10 million 
Foxy. He did, but he did what? I had 10 million bucks. You had 10 million, 10 million bucks? Yeah. So we are back now to talk about our top five gangster films in honor of Capone's release this week. So Mike, there's going to be one film, well two films, that are not on my list because... Back in 2016 on the show, we had uh, another co-host came up with the concept of top shelf movies. So you know, you know how you always have that top shelf alcohol. Uh, these are just the, the best of the best. You only bring them out if you have nothing else to talk about. And those films are The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. Those are up on that shelf. They really don't get mentioned on top fives because everybody knows how phenomenal those films are. So those are not going to be on my list. I'm not sure if they're going to be on your list, Mike, but uh, we, we can talk later about the whole top shelf concept. But for me, they're not on my top five list. So just just a heads up, th there would be one and two, respectively. Like uh, I, I personally think The Godfather is better than The Godfather Part 2. So, I mean, Godfather would be one and Godfather Part 2 would be two. But that's... that's uh, it's not actually the list. So, do you have any other notes that you want to say, Mike, here before we get going? Other than we are very underqualified to talk about these gangster films. <laughs> uh, actually, I had The Godfather 1 and 2 on there as well. Um, so, I'm just going to... I have a top three this week is what I should say. <laughs> okay, so you're going to have a top three? I do have a top five. So, I will okay. start here with my number five choice. My number five choice is The Untouchables. So, this film directed by, uh, oh, uh, De, De, uh, De, De Palma, directed by Frank De Palma. Brian. Brian De Palma. Why am I thinking Frank De Palma? Brian De Palma, thank you. Uh, it's just, a, it's a fun movie. I mean, this also has Robert De Niro as Al Capone, which I don't think he looks like Al Capone, but whatever. I mean, he's Robert De Niro. He's, he's having fun. And, and, and this is, it's just a great, fun movie. It's just about, them, I mean, it's its them trying to take down, take down Al Capone. It's a, it's a fun film. Uh, it's based off a TV series, I believe, and I never, I've never watched the TV series, but uh, this film, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. So number five is The Untouchables. That's my number five as well. Um, I like Kevin Costner in it. It's one of, I think, Kevin Costner's better movies. And I just really like the story of Elliot Ness in general so it's a really good movie my number four is a film that just came out last year it's directed by martin scorsese and that is the irishman i think that this film deals with loneliness with a cycle of violence with just the whole gangster men mentality really well I mean, it's a, what, three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour film, and it's it's great. I mean, Joe, Joe Pesci is phenomenal in it. Uh, Al Pacino's great in it. it, it usually, lately, we get these way over-the-top performances, performances from Al Pacino, but this one right here, it's actually, like, it's, it's good Al Pacino. Um, and, and Robert De Niro's, I mean, he's good in it, but he's... He's not the he's not the I mean while he's the main character of the film he's not the standout performance of the film 
number four, uh, the Irishman. Uh, my number four may be a bit of a stretch, but it involves the Russian mob, so I guess that counts. Uh, Eastern Promises with Viggo Mortensen and Naomi Watts, I believe, is the female lead. Excellent performance all around. It was pretty big back when it came out, but I don't remember hearing anything about it since, like, since then, actually. But I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Um, Viggo Mortensen wants the child of a prostitute, a teenage prostitute who dies in, during labor, I believe, if I remember correct. And the kid ends up in Naomi Watts' hands. And it's a fantastic movie, fantastic action, fantastic acting. It's great overall. You should definitely watch it. If you haven't already. And I have not watched it. It's on my list of things to get to, but it just it hasn't happened. So hopefully uh, this gives me a little more of an incentive to uh, watch it at some point. My number three, also yet again, directed by Martin Scorsese. It is The Departed. It, it's one of the best films that uh, DiCaprio and uh, Damon have been in. It's just twisty turny movie it's it's a lot of once again fun and uh it takes place in boston which you know i, I love boston one of my favorite cities it's just it's, it's a great movie and if you haven't seen it go out and watch it i know there's a lot of people like who despise the last shot of this film uh, it definitely hits the message of the film over the head but uh the film's really good i mean even if you don't like that last shot this is a great film so, uh, The Departed is my number three each, uh, pick. I put a um, slightly different type of gangster. Uh, I went with Boys in the Hood uh, from, like, 91, I believe, with Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, it's well-acted, as all the movies we're picking are. Um, I like the themes of the movie. It's We watched the, the Netflix movie about gangsters. What was it called again? All Day and a Night. Yes, this is a much better version dealing with a lot of the same things of, the, of that movie you should watch boys in the hood instead of all day and night for sure um yeah that's my number three yeah i can tell i can tell you when i originally started making my my list here of my five movies i did have a list of five movies i wanted to watch and like oh maybe these films would be on my list and i boys in the hood was one of those films i had wanted to watch it just it didn't happen i I, I ran out of time. Life got way too busy to try to watch an extra five five movies this week. But uh, once again, I hope to get to it at some point in time. Uh, my number two film is uh, directed by the same uh, director who directed uh, Eastern Promises, Cronenberg. Uh, uh, it is uh, A History of Violence, which also does star Viggo Mortensen. I mean, it's it just, once again, A History of Violence. I mean, it deals with repercussions for your actions it deals with the cycle of violence it deals with your past ca catching up to you and it's just a i mean it's a slow moving drama that is just very intense and it's 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 uh, i mean once again all those movies have great performances but Viggo mortensen i mean he is phenomenal in the film and if you if you haven't seen a history of violence i highly recommend it it's it's um it's a great film mike have you seen it I did, yeah. Uh, as Maria Bello or Bella, right? Sure. The female lead. I, I don't. Sure? I, I, I know. I don't remember. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I've, I saw it. When, I believe I saw it when it came out, and I really enjoyed it. I. It's like one of three movies they did together, Viggo Mortensen, 
and the director. I'm names are forgetting or escaping me today. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. History of Violence, Eastern Promises. Do you know what the other film would be then? Nope, I'm blanking. <laughs> well, there's there's one other film. I mean, our, our audience would definitely let us know what it is because uh, we're doing uh, we're doing a bad job with that today. We're doing a terrible job today. <laughs> Um, yeah, alright, next. Next, uh, my number one, I mean, if I, if I can't have The Godfather and I can't have The Godfather Part 2, it has to be Goodfellas. I mean, it's just, it, 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 once again, it's directed by Scorsese. It's just a phenomenal film. The issue that most people had with it is... They wanted to be a gangster after watching this film. When the whole point of it is that you don't want that lifestyle. You don't want to be a gangster. Um, and, and sadly, uh, that's also the same thing that happened with The Wolf of Wall Street, another Scorsese film. Uh, people were like, yeah, I want to have this kind of lifestyle. I want to have all this excess in my life. And, of course, that's, that's the whole... The, the movie's trying to say, no, you don't want that. You don't want to be this messed up drug addict who just has no actual sense of morality with his life. You don't want to be that kind of person. But unfortunately, when it's such an entertaining film like it is here with Goodfellas, you know, who wouldn't want to be a gangster? It's, it looks like a lot of fun. looks easy. looks... I mean, I mean it doesn't look easy, but I hate to say, like, afflicting pain on somebody else is easy because it's not, but, it, I mean, the movie makes it look like it is. So, um, it just looks like a great, great, uh, Great lifestyle. But uh, once again, I, I know it's the wrong message to take from, from the film. Uh, Mike, you're number... Two, well, wait. You're two I on did, one. Uh, you Godfather yeah, films? Yeah, the Godfathers up there. Um, but another one, just throwing it up there, Menace to Society. The opening scene, I believe it was, alone is worth the watch. It's fantastic and still relevant today, even though the movie's probably like 25 years old by now. Maybe 30. Something like that. Definitely worth the watch. Did you have any uh, other honorable mentions before we wrap up here? That just popped into my head because we're talking about Boys in the Hood. Um, not offhand right now. Not that I can't think of. Wait, the, the only other two that I had on my list were I had Scarface and uh, A Prophet, which is, uh, I believe, a French uh, foreign gangster film. Actually, actually, really good. That that one just missed my list. But, uh Yeah. So, if you guys were the Scarface, uh, hmm? I was never a fan of Scarface. I, maybe it was just too overhyped because it was huge. Um, like in my, not my circle of friends, but like at my school for a while. I, and then I watched it and I was like, this is kind of dumb. I don't know. It's just not my thing, I guess. Scarface. I don't know about that. And once again, I, I, I saw it once I was in film school. I didn't watch it until that point, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. Apparently not. I didn't enjoy it enough for it to make my list, but it's still a good film. Uh, if you want to share with us your favorite gangster films, you can always uh, send them to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com or just comment on the Facebook page uh, where this episode is hosted or the Instagram page, wherever you would like to do that on. We're going to start to wrap this show up now. So, once again, it, theaters are closed. They're hopefully going to be opening in July for Tenant. That is what everyone's hoping on right now. Uh, as long as everything is safe, I mean, that's, as, as, as much as these big movie studios want to make money, 
They know that they can't make money if it's not safe to open because, well, then your audience is going to go for that one film and they're all going to get sick and could possibly die. And so they won't go to another movie again. Imagine that. The movie industry is being smarter than a lot of small town businesses. But I digress. I mean, they can afford to be as well, in all fairness. I mean, no one should... Like, there's a lot of businesses around here that opened immediately that shouldn't be open. But, like... Disney no, has the, the cash; they can survive for a while. No, so. I'm just, I'm just saying. There's a lot, there's a lot of businesses right now that they're like they're, they're not, they're not essential by any stretch of the imagination. And I get that they need to make money, but I mean, all but two of the restaurants here in town are still. They decided no, we're still going to just do uh, takeout orders only, and. Which which is what they've been doing. Point being, everybody, just be safe, be smart. Let's not have this continue on and on forever. Because, in all fairness, I really want to go to the movie theater, but it has to be safe. So let's all be smart. Uh, next week's show. I, I did. Oh, sorry, I did double check into it. Related slightly, our drive-ins are open, so you can check your drive-ins near yeah, you as well. Uh, your driving theaters onward. Yep, things like that, but. Yep, the, the 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 one here that the, that you're talking about is uh, showing onward in Sonic. Unfortunately, I just I, this is gonna sound mean as much as I'm like, yeah, let's support them. I have them. I can watch them here at my house right now if I wanted to. I they were like, showing two other movies as well. One one of them is a horror film yeah. which I've never heard of, which came out this year. And for a film that came out this year that I've not heard of, seems really bizarre. Uh, and, uh, what was it? Bad Boys? Was that the other one that they're showing? No, Birds of Prey, I think. Birds of Prey, yeah. yeah Birds of Prey, which, I, which I also have. So, uh, no, they... <laughs> I'm we sorry. giant 45-foot screen to watch it on, or however big they are. Well, no, but, like, I mean, even, if, like, something like Trolls World Tour, I'd rather go see that, because I don't... I mean, while I have access to it, I'm not paying $20 again to watch it. So, uh... I just, I don't know, just, I get that they're, they're, the movies that they have to pick from aren't uh, a plethora like they would like to be right now, but th that's, whatever. Uh, next week's show, we're going to be taking a look at the Netflix, uh, well, Netflix original film, but a film that Netflix had bought, which is The Lovebirds. Uh, it's uh, Camille Nanjiani, it looked really good, it was supposed to be coming out in theaters, uh, actually I believe it was already supposed to be out. And uh, Paramount just sold it to Netflix. So everybody can hopefully enjoy the film next week. We'll uh, take a look at that and hopefully it's good. And then as usual, since theaters are not open, we are picking streaming films that are streaming on Amazon, Prime Video, Hulu, or Netflix. I, I picked a film that I basically uh, put, put, put the entire show around. Because I mean, we're, we're talking about romances in our top five poll. We have The Lovebirds, like, I mean, maybe be a romantic comedy. Uh, my film, it's, it's like crazy. It's one of my all-time favorite films. I haven't revisited the film in a, in a, in a while. I mean, the film came out in 2011. Uh, it's going to be streaming on Amazon Prime Video and Hulu. So it should be a hopefully a good conversation. Uh, Mike, what film did you pick? Um, to stay with the theme, I'm going to pick... Um, always be my maybe on Netflix. Netflix original, if I'm correct. It is a Netflix original. 
Uh, I have never seen Always Be My Maybe. I know that no one has a review up on the site, and I just never got around to it. That's the the sad part about the whole Netflix thing. I mean, up until now, obviously, but beforehand, I just never had the time to watch Netflix films, and I'm for no reason, I don't know why. I mean, it probably has to do with the fact that I have to drive an hour each way to get to the Alamo Draft House. And it does eat up a good chunk of my time, but I have no reason why. I'm watch a whole I'm, movie in their travel time. I could watch, I, yeah, I could, I could easily watch a whole movie in my travel time. But, uh, I mean, it's Alamo Draft House, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to go go uh, back there sometime. I'm, I, 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 uh, keep, I keep getting survey emails from them, which uh, some of their questions make me a little little weary about what the future might hold for them. But uh, that's the topic for another day. Uh, if you guys want to follow us, you can follow us at uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, All Filmology Show, past reviews, past episodes of the show, all up at filmologyshow.com. Uh, even the original review that Nolan wrote for Always Be My Maybe, that's up there. We'll talk about that next week, uh, his review as well as our thoughts on that film. Mike, do you have anything else before we wrap up the show here? Yes, uh, the movie I was talking about earlier is Brightburn. Brightburn was terrible. Um, Chronicle was fantastic. Oh, the, 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 the horror movie with the kid super villain. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, well, I, thanks. Yeah. I, I think the film's okay. I mean, for the, the what it's trying to be. I mean, it's not Chronicle, but... Yeah, I, I was not a fan. I just, I, I, I it, it always, it's always creeped me out the, the, the glass in the eye. I have a huge thing with eyes in movies, and I hate when like things are done to that, done to them. Oh, and it, that's, ooh, yeah. Anyway, the Terminator scene where he scoops out his eye or whatever. Yeah, that, that, that I mean, that, that looks a little more fake than, uh, the glass in the eye. I mean, the glass in the eye, like, like you, you see the glass go in the eye, and then you see you pulling it out, like all, like I mean, it's obviously not real, but. I mean, it, it, it's all one take from, uh, it's meant to look like one take. So, uh, horrifying to watch. Uh, so, so, with all of that being said, uh, we're going to be heading out this week, and you guys enjoy your weekend film. Bye. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the...